Welcome to the One Deeper Podcast, where I try to strum the strings of the network around me and listen to the music. My guest on this episode is Dr. Paula Rancoglia. Dr. Rancoglia is an assistant professor at the Tilburg School of Humanities and Digital Sciences in the Department of Cognitive Science and AI. She teaches a course on language and music perception. I had the pleasure of experiencing her enthusiasm for teaching firsthand, so I'm excited to share this conversation with you. I also want to thank you in advance for your patience with this show and listening. It's a work in progress and I'm just getting started. I'm always aiming to improve and I appreciate your time and your feedback. That being said, please enjoy this short conversation with Dr. Paula Rancaglia. Dr. Rancaglia. Oh, she just got, uh, uh, you have a, like you have a hyphenated last name. Like, how do you go? Like Rancaglia? Roncaglia Denise. Well, there is like my publishing name is Roncaglia Denise, so you can see my publications with that, with a hyphen. Yeah, that's what I that's what I found. Yes, yeah. but the whole like administration of the university, it's only Roncaglia, and okay. uh, yeah, so nice. Uh, so like, okay, so first of all, thank you for sitting down with me today. I really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy person. Uh, and I had some, like, you know, I actually wanted to talk to you during when, when we had the class, uh, when, I had, when I took your class, right? Yeah. And because, um, you know, I found the class pretty challenging, right? And what's funny is that, I'll be honest, it wasn't my favorite class, right? Because, okay. like, I'm not, I'm not intrinsically motivated about language. Mm-hmm. Right? But, but what what that course did teach me was that I was pretty ignorant. Well, <laughs> <laughs> right? well. because because I because when I went into it, I thought language was pretty much figured out, right? Like I was pretty convinced that like we have this sorted. We've been doing this for millions of years. Like, what's the problem? <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for being honest about that. It's not your favorite course. And I still don't get that. Language is the most fascinating thing in cognition that we can possibly have. And just, um, anyways, that's um, also a different take on it. <laughs> no, well, like, no, even though that, that being said, that being said, I put, so I track everything that I do, right? So all the time that I spend doing something, I track it. Yeah. That being said, I spent the most time that semester on your class. Thank you. I really appreciate so, like, that. Almost, <laughs> <laughs> like almost, I think I spent almost, I think I spent close to 200 hours on it. Yeah, they're Just, supposed uh, to do that. Uh, yeah. Because, um, you know, I, I also explained to you like about the six, uh, the six ECTs, right? So what they, what they mean. So it means that you have to put in average uh, in this course 184 hours, right? So mm-hmm. you you did a little bit more than 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 um, what is uh, the minimum, right? But mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. that's expected. So like, that's expected. The best thing, I think, uh, the most valuable thing, of, of course, I learned a lot about language, but the most valuable thing I got from that class was just experience reading papers. Yes. So it's coming, it's coming so handy now, right? Like I don't have, like I have like a general feel for what a paper, how a paper is structured and like yes. where, where, where the things I want to find will be located. So like I can just like quickly go to where I need to go. That is unbelievably helpful. That's um, sure. I'm very happy you're saying that, uh, this, Udesh, because um, the students, they get very much uh, scared when they, they come to my mm-hmm. course. And I also understand that um, I, was, I was just like throwing them into the water to say, OK, just, just swim. The, the earlier you get to swim, the better for you. Yeah. But um, I'm also like I, I love uh, teaching and I'm constantly thinking about how can I reach students? How can I make sure that 
um, I'm not going to take anything for granted. I'm not going to assume anything. Just let me, I just want to give the students the, uh, the direction, I'm going to give them the direction where they should go. But how, how much should I help them in this? So I'm, this edition of this course, I'm redesigning it uh, to include a more explicitly um, teaching of how to read a paper. Uh, because sure. I know everybody has to, in the end, everybody has to do it and they have to learn by themselves. But I am creating a little bit more clear guidelines to help students in this because um, when I was a bachelor's student, nobody taught me this and it was very difficult, right? right? And, um, mm -hmm. and I think that it doesn't have to be that traumatic. <laughs> traumatic. I like how you. I like how you put that. It's traumatic. Yes, it's just, it have some help. So that's what I'm trying to do, right now in this yeah, edition, sure. of course. But I really appreciate that you also came to this conclusion. It's very, very nice to hear that. Like it's, I you know, a, a scientific paper is actually very different from most other things you'd you'd Completely read. Completely you know, like, different. Completely different. So different. And the other and thing the that language is different, and like yes. the. Um, the, the idea is sort of very, it's, it's a very different way of writing because you have such a small amount of space, right? And, also, and but also I have to try to think about the purpose of a scientific paper, right? So what was the deal with, why did scholars start writing uh, scientific papers? Because they wanted to communicate to other scholars in their field their, uh, their uh, uh, discoveries and their, um, their insights. So it has mm -hmm. to be, it, it, they, they write to a very specific public, very knowledgeable public, but still that maybe don't have a complete understanding of the field, but they should be able to get the right information from that. So this is why it makes it so difficult. It's also the size of it has to be concise, has to be to the point, because uh, nobody has time to, uh, to, to, to spend that much time uh, writing about things when the things are moving, when the field is moving. So let me ask you a question. So, like, uh, let's say you're uh, you're about to work on a new project or like with a new team. Yeah. Let's say right, and like I mean, you're working on you like a, you're, I mean, the goal is to create a publishable product, like yes. a paper, right? Well, let's say so. Let's say let's say let's say like you have a team from different universities, right? Yeah. And if you if if the let's say so, I'm just working off my rudimentary understanding of this yes. whole process, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say so one university gets funding for uh, whatever project and they put a team together, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say you don't exactly have the expertise in mm -hmm. that particular, like whatever topic it is, but yeah. you have the general expertise that they need, right? Mm -hmm. So what's your first approach? Do you just like read a bunch of review articles, like just to get up to speed on the topic? Like what's the strategy? Okay, so uh, first of all, my, my ultimate goal is not to publish. <laughs> my ultimate yeah. goal. Is <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay, fine. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. That's, so okay, okay. publication is the result of what you, you yeah, do. Yeah, right. and, and, and there, yeah. I have several studies that I, that I started, and I couldn't publish them yet because things okay. have to be readapted, redesigned. So the, the, the ultimate goal is to understand, in my case, to understand how language works. So, mm -hmm. and sometimes you come up with a, with this experimental design, you dedicate a lot of time into that and you collect data and eventually you realize that that experimental design is not ideal for that because there are other mm -hmm. some co-founds that you could not control for it. So you have to re go back to the drawing table, reorganize, uh, redesign an experiment and collect data again, you know, and sometimes, um, I don't know, maybe you try to replicate something and you just didn't follow exactly, uh, uh, didn't have exactly the same conditions. And so it doesn't mean 
uh, I what I mean is that not everything is publishable, uh, but mm. it still doesn't make doesn't mean that um, it's less valuable because it's no, about yeah. it is about understanding and uh, an, uh, a little bit an extra piece of the puzzle, right? So, uh, but your question, it's I'm it's something that about how I go about something that I'm not really the expert in, and that's something that. Um, it's recurrent in my life, uh, recurrent in my life, because um, I am a linguist by training, mm -hmm. and I did my PhD in uh, neuropsychological processing of language, so it is a slightly different uh, take on language research. Uh, so I got, in the end, a, a PhD in cognitive science, and I worked um, as a researcher in my computational um, science group, and and now I'm an artificial intelligence, right? So I, right. I collaborate <laughs> with I collaborate with linguists, I collaborate with cognitive scientists, I collaborate with uh, neuroscientists, I collaborate with uh, music cognition science uh, scientists, um, I collaborate with uh, um, um, artificial intelligence um, uh, right. researchers. So basically, I'm everywhere, and right. I like being like this. I think that um, it, it opens horizons uh, and also get, gets, gets a better understanding of things, but also the constantly feeling that you don't know anything. That's also something um, that I actually quite enjoy. Um, <laughs> you are, uh, you seem like that's the, that's, that's a very rare breed of people. Like, because for most people, it's pretty anxiety provoking, right? Like, constantly. No, it, be... For me as well, but I make sure that um, whatever I start a project, I, I make sure that I'm the one who knows the least. <laughs> so if this is the case, then I learned a lot and I make right. it fun for me. Right, right. So, um, right. So uh, what happens then? I'm very uh, used to getting to uh, areas that are not of mine, of expertise. Uh, and what do I do? I uh, team up with individuals that are expert in that and I start reading and uh, start learning. And I've done these changes several times in my life. Uh, actually, when I did my master's uh, thesis was slightly off my field. When I did my PhD was off my field. When I did my, um, my uh, postdoc experience, I went to the, uh, the research field of music cognition that I was completely naive of. I had no idea of, and I thought it was very nice. And I spent four years working in that, and I became cert certain kind of expert in it. Sometimes, mm -hmm. I, even though, even today, when somebody says, oh, you should know this because you're the expert, I'm like, oh my God, I'm the expert, that's so bad. I mean, like, we have to talk about <laughs> you know? But that's something that's um, very common among researchers as well. Uh, the more you, you learn and the more you know, the, l the less you think you know. And, uh, right, 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 for sure. And I feel very comfortable in that, in this role of thinking I don't know anything that's for me it's it's some kind of like nice it makes the world it's interesting right like it's a nice it's a it, it keeps you like it keeps it like I find it keeps you motivated like uh sometimes I mean I try to put myself in those situations mm -hmm. but I I I I've learned that to do that I have to really check my ego you know what I mean? Yes. Like, cause, cause, like, I get sometimes I get used to being like good at something, and then whenever I'm confronted with something I don't understand, my initial reaction is not like curiosity; it's like mm -hmm. frustration. Like, man, yes. why am I not good at this? It's also okay. This is also a very valid tool. Uh, I also get frustrated if I don't know something, uh, but my frustration 
sometimes keeps me going and looking for the answer and trying to see it. And and yes, I think this is just also a very valid uh, feeling and uh, <laughs> curiosity, frustration, whatever need, leads you to the next step and continue pursuing the 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 truth. It's it's what yeah. matters. Yeah. Did you and so did you always want to be a scientist? Like no, no, no. And I'm not a <laughs> no. And I'm not a born scientist. Uh, there are some right. people who really enjoy this intellectual talk and and just uh, discussing things for for discussing them and not really right. And I'm not one of I'm not one of those people. I um I have a very specific interest, and um, I am very passionate about teaching. I love teaching. I think that's my role in, in, let's say, if we can talk about uh, what your contribution to society, I think mine is to teach. It's something that I well, really I, value. Let me tell you that that comes across. Oh, that's good. Thank like, you. <laughs> like it comes across like a, to a really high degree when, you, when, you, when you're teaching. So like, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I've had multiple of, of my colleagues tell me that like, that that's like nice. they, it's just like an infectious uh, sort of enthusiasm <laughs> for, yeah. for what you teach. Yeah. And that that sort of like annoys them into into like into being into working hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice. kind of nice, right? It's not, it's not my idea, but sure, I'm happy with the idea I can take. So yeah. Um, yeah, so I really so this is something that I love doing, and I and and that's my curiosity is because I want to be the best teacher I can possibly be, and it, I think to be the best teacher I can possibly be, I have to be on top of what's going on. I have to do research myself. And I have to be able to uh, not answer all the questions of my students, but at least to point to the right direction so they can look for more answers. You know, so this is this is how I see. I think everything that I do in my work and everything that I read is to make me a better teacher. So that's how I see it. So, like, okay. So, uh, how long have you been teaching for? Like, what? Like, how, oh, ages. How, it feels like you've been doing this forever. I yes, I have been doing it forever. Um, at university level, I've been teaching since, like, for 10 years now, officially. 10 years? Mm -hmm. that's, that's a long time. But uh, the first five years is something that I voluntarily did. So I, I just, I was a researcher, I was a postdoc. And right. so as a postdoc, as a researcher, a postdoc researcher, you don't get to do any teaching because you're, you're hired to do a research. Some, Normally, is that somebody else got the money for a specific, the funding for a specific research, and they hire somebody to conduct that research. And but I just realized that I felt my work so empty, um, just going to the lab and collecting data and analyzing and writing things down. And I'm just like, this is not. I don't see any fulfillment in that. It was kind of fun, but it's very empty for me. So I always told like um, my colleagues in, in the department in Amsterdam where I worked like, okay, if you have any kind of lecture in your course related to language, anything, just let me know. I'm happy to teach. And they were like, really? Because most people don't like teaching. And they're like, okay, and what do you want instead? I'm like, nothing. I just, just want to teach. And uh, so that's how I, I got a lot of hours of teaching just by voluntarily doing things. Um, so like, uh, I have to say, it's like it's part of the reason I wanted to be a student assistant as well. Like I genuinely, so even though it's not necessarily a part of my job description to like you know have these extra Q and A sessions or like like office hours, I do it anyway because I, I I genuinely enjoyed like the experience of like just being able to show people something that's like it's it's amazing. What what amazed me was that I realized how much of the things that I know I took for granted. Like yeah. 
things that things that I found super easy to do. Yeah. Like you know, just I don't even think about doing them. It, it could be super hard for somebody else. Yeah. Right. And then, like, just seeing them sort of grapple with it, and then them getting it. Yeah. Is very help. It's, it's, yeah. it's super help. It's really helpful. Yes, and it's also really I think that's my favorite part of teaching this moment, the aha moment, when when students connect into something, they have an insight, and it was from them. Uh, it, it's internal, but it was, right. of course, in that situation, that context that I was helping with. I find mm-hmm. this, uh, yeah, that's one of the most rewarding um, feelings that I have in my profession. Yeah, like my parents, neither of my parents went to university, right? So mm-hmm. I'm like the only person in the family to go to university. And every once in a while, I'll try to like teach my dad something I learned in class, like in the simplest possible way. Yeah. So like, so I when I was taking calculus, I would just like try to see if I could explain something to him in a way that he could understand. Then that mm-hmm. way I know for sure that I understood it. Right? Exactly. Like, exactly. If he, if I can explain to my dad what a what a single variable function and like what differentiation is with he, to a person who has no mathematics background, mm-hmm. like I feel pretty good. I'm like, okay, yeah. nice. this is pretty nice. Yeah. That's so basically, cool. that's also uh, the the beauty of it. If you're able to teach uh, something in a something very simple to someone, you can also it's also a better way for you to learn and to know what you know about this yourself. So yes. For sure. So how did you like? What was your what was your trajectory to end up studying language? Like yeah. how did you? Um, well, it's it's they also say like that's um, they said about the psychologists, right? This is not like research; it's me search. So I've always been um, <laughs> yeah. very much interested because I um, I learned uh, first language I learned was was English, and I was uh, slightly obsessed with like how can I get rid of my accent. And, uh, and why some people have thicker accent than me, and why are some people that have better accent than me, uh, like more native-like. So that was caused my motivation into studying linguistics. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, uh, then I learned German, and I was like, wow, but now I have a third language in the equation. And uh, when I started learning German very early, uh, I was exposed to the phonology of German very early, but I didn't speak the language. And eventually, I would get like, sometimes I would pass by a native speaker, sometimes, and I'm like, this is pretty cool. And mm-hmm. then immediately after that, it would be like, okay, no, I hear your accent again. I'm like, oh, man. So uh, I was wondering, like, what, what is making like uh, an accent different than the other? And why was it so good in certain sentences uh, that I could pass by native speakers and the other ones I wasn't? So, um, yeah, so that made me, uh, I was very interested in doing uh understanding also accents and prosody and that's how I, I wrote my master's thesis about this and then I want to continue I realized that um, a lot of the accent was not really only the phonology the pronunciation of the words but it was also the melody and the rhythm with it uh, that people would uh, speak with and for instance in my case of the German is that sometimes I put the stress in the wrong part, uh, wrong part of the word and right. realize okay you're not German so, um, so yeah, so that, that led me to, um, yeah, further investigating uh, did my PhD on uh, rhythmic processing uh, because of that. And yeah, so it's basically uh, my interest, personal interest and uh, curiosity led me to this. Um, and I think then the, 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 some of the people uh, that encountered my life, uh, my life, and made me stay 
in, in research. But nice. actually, I, I left research. I left academia for two years. Oh, well, like for like you might like you mind if I ask you why? Like 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 sure. what, did was, you, what did you do after the two years? <laughs> from those two years? Yeah. So there were a series of factors. I was not really lucky in terms mm -hmm. of um, the 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 support that I had in the beginning uh, of my PhD and my uh, postdoc uh, experience. So I came from a very competitive lab in the in the Max Planck in the, in, in Germany in Leipzig, and um, it's very competitive. And I'm not one of those people that do well with competition. <laughs> I am more uh, I I uh, I thrive whenever. I have other individuals working together, collaborating, cooperating together. So if I can help somebody else, somebody can help me. I, I thrive and I'm very happy and I'm very productive. If I have somebody who is like, I'm not going to share my data with you because you're going to steal my things. And I just, wow, yeah. I just get very, very uh, unhappy. I and, yeah. So, um, so I had, so that was not an easy start for me. And also I went to the, from a postdoc and other, also a very different environment than the department that I am right now. Also very competitive, very, um, I would say they're almost autistic because they, people don't talk to each other. <laughs> they didn't talk to each other. They just, it was just very weird. And I was not doing so well uh, with that. And I right. said, okay, this is, if this academia is like this, I'm out, I'm gonna do something else. I don't wanna deal with this kind of people. And, um, so I left, uh, and also around that time I had my third child, and there was a big change in uh, our family life. So I said, you know what, I'm right. just going to stay home for a while. I'm going to take care of my kids. I'm going to figure out what I want to do, and we'll see. So I stayed home for a year, and then I decided that um, I want to. I still love teaching, and teaching was the thing that would keep me going and um, bright my day. So I. I decided that I would, maybe I could become a high school teacher. Mm -hmm. So I still need to do some education for that. So I, I started a new master's. I finished a master's to become a high school teacher. And then uh, it was pretty heavy to uh, do a second a master's, second education with uh, the kids, with a small baby as well. So I said, after the first year, I'm going to take a break before I continue the second year. And in the meantime, uh, there were some, uh, my husband is a, a, a professor and he used to work in Newburgh. And one of his colleagues said, we need somebody to teach academic skills. You know, ask Paula to apply for that. We don't have like really good people to do this. And my, my husband said, sure. And I said, you know what, that's a good opportunity. Let me see in a different environment, in a different situation, if I like this as not or not, right? Uh, so I did that. It was wonderful. I loved it. The minute that I got back to the to the to the the classroom, where I thought, okay, I should not have left. I should be. I should do this. And um, and that's how I went back to slowly as a teacher to academia. And then in uh, December two thousand nineteen, um, one of my colleagues was actually a very good friend of mine, Afra Alishahi, and she said, "We are looking for uh, lecturers." Uh, do you want to apply for it? And I said, sure. So I applied and I went through the whole thing. And uh, yes, and that's sort of where I'm here. Nice. That's yep. uh, like, that's, um, well, I for one, I'm glad you came back to academia <laughs> and to <laughs> teach. because that was very happy you know, to do that. So that was, a, that was a good experience for me. And I think uh, a lot of but people I think, will be glad to have you. 
I think what's also I would have liked to share with you and, and the other students, Udash, is that not all the trajectories are very linear and, and straightforward and people know where they want to be and they end up there. Um, Absolutely. So I'm, I'm I think I could not be in a better place because I feel very happy doing what I'm doing. I'm um, getting to do uh, other research projects as well. And I, I'm very, sometimes I even think that I, I, I have this job and I still get paid, kind of like I <laughs> for free. Yeah, it's like, it's like I can't believe they pay me to do this. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah. but I was not, I didn't have a, a straightforward trajectory at all, not even since my bachelor's because I had a bachelor in journalism and I did mm -hmm. a second bachelor in linguistics. So I was still like In journalism? Yes. How did that happen? Yeah. Like that's, that's, I feel like, that, I feel like there's, a, there's a story there, but. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe another time. It's more like um, I always I I, I I like writing, and I've right. always enjoyed it. And uh, actually, I published uh, um, children's book in my in. Oh really? Yes. Yes. That's great. I need to look, I need to look that up. I, I I don't know how I miss that. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So it is. Uh, but it's in Portuguese. It's my native language. So uh, so I wrote. Um, yeah. I I, I always loved uh, loved writing and. Uh, once I, uh, there was like an university that I was studying in Sao Paulo, they had like this context of uh, submit your book and see if um, she, to participate in this context. And I did, and then I won the context and then they published the book. So, and nice. after that, another editor picked up on that and, and published as well. So, um, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, but it, that's just to show you that like, I'm like everywhere. <laughs> no, and, absolutely. Um, I think it's very useful for people to hear that. Because like, you know, I'm also back in university after five years of working full time, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. It doesn't have to be the straight path. No, no. And also like, and again, but if you have like a straightforward path, it's also fine. It's also all right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make, doesn't right. make you less of a, of a, <laughs> of, of a, a researcher or our lecturer, yeah. right? So it's just like people yeah, have sure. different backgrounds. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, and also I find that also with my research or also teaching, sometimes people have a hard time understanding because I, I am very broad and I, I mm -hmm. enjoy different things. And I said, you know what? I'm here for the fun. I'm not going to, I have like three beautiful kids at home and I, I'm lucky enough that if I didn't, my husband has an aesthetic income, for instance, but I just enjoy working. And I said, if I'm not going to be enjoying doing this, I'm not going to do this. So the day that I stop having fun, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do something else. That definitely, like anyone who's ever interacted with you in a classroom can definitely pick up, pick up on the fact that you're actually there to have fun. And not, in, 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 like, it's, it's, it's really refreshing. <laughs> and then it's I, mean, that's, I mean, it's been my experience generally, like in the program at least so far. Like, I've never had a, I mean, people, the, in my experience, the instructors have been amazing, and uh, yeah, yeah, they are you are really a shining good. example of it. So thank you for your <laughs> no, for thank your, you. Uh, and it was also no, very. I was talking to a colleague of mine, and she was like, "So is the course fun?" I'm like, "I have no idea if students are liking it, but I am loving it. I'm having a blast <laughs> in my course." So, um, anyways. Yeah, like okay, okay, I know you have a meeting to go to, but I I want to have you ask like one more question before mm -hmm. like uh, before I let you go. It's like, so. I asked I asked Peter this too, and I was just like curious. You know, like what kind of future for the world would would scare you? Like you know, if 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 like the world turned out in one in a, in 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 that way, that would be a scary place for you to live. Like, what kind of world would that look like to you? I know it's a strange question, but no, it's something not. I think about. Uh, I think um, there there are two things that frighten me. Um, yeah. 
is how we are uh, hating other people. Mm. I find yeah. this, this is this is for me very disturbing. The fact how you still and again I come from a country that has an extreme right president mm. who's uh, um, who has all sorts of phobia against uh, gay women and any kind of minority. So mm. it is it is very difficult for me to see some people pairing up with him and people that I know mm. and just engaging in this kind of thought that makes me really upset. Um, and the other thing, of course, is I'm afraid that uh, we will have no world to live in. I mean, we will because we will uh, we will uh, adapt. Humans adapt very well, but it's kind of like what we're doing, destroying the nature and stuff. So I'm a little bit afraid of how my um, what kind of world uh, my, my kids would live in. And especially because this would mean that countries with money would be, would be able to save themselves and the, mm -hmm. and the countries with less money would just die and, and, and be in that. Yeah, I mean, I'm from a very similar place. Like I'm, I'm from Sri Lanka, so I, I, I understand all this, the sentiments you just uh, laid out pretty well. You know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, like, yeah, so, but I think through the work of, you know, you and like, and, and your colleagues and people like you, I think there's definitely hope for, uh, yeah. for the future. You know, I, like, I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. Like, yeah, I, no, it's like, good. It's good. Know. And you should be. You're the new, you're the future generation, right? So uh, yeah. I, I think, I think there's two things that really scare me. It's the fact how uh, humans can be very mean to one another when we are the same. We are I agree. Kind. Absolutely. And, yeah. and how like this, this also, how we are uh, dealing with the world and how we are also mean in, in well, if I have money, I mean, I don't have, I will be fine, you know, just so like the egoistic, um, selfish feelings. Yeah, I agree. Okay. No, I, 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 I can, I, I, uh, I resonate with those comments. What, <laughs> like, what did Peter answer? Peter, oh man, I, I can't remember what exactly what he said last week, but like he said, he said something, something like, he, what, what he said was, I, the, the, um, we 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 had a very strange like random conversation and uh, man I I just cannot what did he say about this I can't remember but like he said but but one thing he stressed a lot he he took a long time to stress was that if you need help like if you are like if you're struggling and if you need to like there are resources there are people around you like find a way to get the get to find a way to connect with people around you like he was pretty concerned about that like he was very concerned about the fact that like people might be feeling you know it's a strange time like it's like we have all this information yeah. all these resources all this social media but we feel lonelier than ever yes right yes. Mm -hmm. and uh, he was he, that, that was something he spoke about pretty clearly oh. and, uh, i think yeah generally speaking it jives pretty well with what you just said but like, yeah we got to try to work together to solve these problems that we have right otherwise it's yeah. not gonna work like but it doesn't surprise me peter and i we're like we get along very well and <laughs> uh, yeah and we we get each other, we understand each other. So I think it's kind of like he's one one of my people. <laughs> right, for sure. Well, uh, I know you have a meeting, Dr. Rankaglia, so I'm gonna let you go. Uh, thank you so much for your time. You. Maybe we can uh, we can have a chat again sometime soon. I sure. want to ask you about journalism. Journalism. Uh, <laughs> uh, we go I, for I it. <laughs> at some point. Part two. <laughs> Part two. Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. Uh, thank I'm, you. Okay. Thank right. you, guys. No worries. I'll, I'll catch you later. Have a, have, a, have a great day. You too. Bye. Thank you for joining me in this conversation. I hope you got something out of that. And until next time.